Welcome to No Apology with the Bible Idiots. We're so glad you're here. It is Wednesday, and that means today is our long-form teaching. Today, Chris is going to be taking us to the book of Matthew, chapter 13, and he's going to be talking about the wheat and the tares. What is the difference, and which one are you? So here's Pastor Chris. We're going to be talking about wheat or tares. And Emily said, you can't call it wheats. It's like deers and corns. And I said, well, I'll get gooder and gooder every day. But this is a pivot Sunday for me. It really is. And today uh, is, is kind of a, a big deal for me. Uh, it took a lot of time, and I changed my course many, many times throughout September and October of last year. When I got here last July, at the end of July, started in August with y'all, that um, we were going to do certain things to grow together. And I realized that uh, it, it wasn't what I had thought things were going to be. And I spent a lot of time with God. And I wanted to make sure between then and Easter Sunday, Resurrection Sunday, that a proper foundation was laid for what I believe is coming next. And I had it on my calendar that that would be where we'd need to go. And I believe that looking back on all the messages and all the meetings and all the different uh, coffees with Chris's and all the different things that we have done together from August to Easter uh, has led us up to this point. And so it's go time. And in the chapter that we're going to read today, Jesus gives no less than eight parables. And these are earthly stories with heavenly meaning. And Jesus speaks about God's plan of salvation, the work of Satan, the fickle nature of the human heart, and the greatness of the kingdom of heaven. And after Jesus had finished telling these multiple parables, the disciples came and they asked him just one question. And that's what we want to talk about today. But let's get into it. Let's read Matthew chapter 13, verses 24 through 30. Let's stand for the reading of God's word today. I can just hear the groans. Oh, not again. I just, I don't want to go to the stand-up sit-down church. I'm glad you guys are here. All right, we're going to focus with what God has for us today. Matthew chapter 13, verses 24 through 30, and I read in Jesus' name. And he put another parable before them, saying, The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while his men were sleeping, his enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and went away. So when the plants came up and bore grain, then the weeds also appeared. And the servants of the master of the house came to him and said, Master, do you not sow good seed in your field? How then does it have weeds? And he said to them, An enemy has done this. So the servants said to him, Then do you want us to go and gather them? But he said, No, lest in gathering the weeds you root up the wheat along with them. Let both grow together until the harvest, and at harvest time I will tell the reapers, gather the weeds first and bind them in bundles to be burned, but gather the wheat into my barn. Heavenly Father, Lord Jesus, Holy Spirit, be with us. Let these be your words and not mine. Speak to your children today in Jesus' name. Amen. Be seated and stay seated, please. <laughs> Oh, so they came and they asked him after eight parables in this chapter, they came and they asked him one question. 
It's a little further down in verse 36. They didn't ask about the sower, uh, the sower. They didn't ask about the soils or the seed. They didn't ask about the mustard seed or the leaven. When they asked Jesus to explain a parable, they asked him to explain the one that is the focus of our attention this morning, the parable of the wheat and the tares. Why did they choose this one over the others? The Bible doesn't say. But I'm going to venture a guess. My guess is that it contains some element or another that troubled the 12 dudes. And I have to be honest with you, some of these elements, they, they kind of bother me. And so by the final way of introduction before we get into it, let's shake down this parable using Christ's own explanation. And I want you to notice some of the reasons why this parable, of all the aid he told that day, caught the attention of the disciples. In the context... The farmer plants a wheat field, he uses good seed, he plants a crop expecting a good harvest. In middle America, Kansas, y'all have to understand that. I know you do. However, while he and his servants slept, an enemy entered the field and planted tares among the wheat. Literally tried to, tried to hurt it, tried to, tried to create a bad crop. Now, what are tares? Well, basically, they are weeds that go by the name bearded darnel. And in the early stages of its development, it looks exactly like wheat. It's only when the plant has matured and the kernels have formed in the head of a genuine wheat plant that the two plants can then be told apart. The bottom line is this. The wheat has no fruit in its head, while the head of the tares is filled with these little black seeds. So the field looks good, and the farmer's getting excited about harvesting a bumper crop. And it seems that there is more wheat growing than he expected. The word among in verse 25. He's jacked. He's like, this is going to be great. However, as the harvest grew near, it became apparent that there were tares among the wheat. And the servants discover the tares. And they come to tell the master about the problem. You see, they were able to tell the difference as the wheat develops. Don't miss that. They were able to tell the difference as the wheat develops. The kernel grow inside of the head of the wheat plant, and the weight of the kernel causes the stalk to start to bend, making the head appear to be bowing towards the earth. Now, the tares, on the other hand, they have light heads, and they continue to stand straight and tall. And the servants see the problem and offer to pull up the tares. But the master, knowing the roots are intertwined, and you know he's going to lose a lot of wheat here, he forbids them. He says, you can't yank them up together because a lot of the wheat will be yanked up as well. And we don't want that, right? So his counsel is to let them grow together till the harvest. Then he will send the reapers to gather the tares first, and then the wheat will be separated, and the tares will be set to burn, and the wheat will go into the barn. And so in explaining this parable, Jesus gives his disciples and us uh, identities of those who are involved in the story. This is not hard. I mean, the sower is Christ. The good seed is the gospel of grace. The one who sowed the tares is the devil. The wheat are the ones who are saved. The tares are the ones who are unsaved, but have the appearance of salvation. The tares are those in the church who look saved, act saved, sound saved, but who are in truth deceived of their salvation. This should get our attention in comfort-seeking America. Um, I, you know, I'm almost 100% sure that based on obvious facts and statistics that somewhere today, hearing this message, either in this room or online, I am talking to someone who is a tear. 
folks who think they're saved, they hope they're saved. These people know the lingo of the church. They look and act as saved as anyone around you, but they've never really been born again. They've never come to the foot of the cross and given their life to Jesus and given their sins to Jesus so that he can forgive them and be born again. When you listen to this message today, I want you to understand you will see clearly why I have no scoreboard. I have been around churches that grow from 50 people to to 1,000 people, and they've got 900 tares and 100 pieces of wheat. And I just say that in generic terms because we can't tell. And we're not supposed to tell. The Spirit of grace comes upon us. We treat everybody as if they're wheat if they have a testimony. But that doesn't mean they're all wheat. You follow? So... I have just one objective in sharing this message, and that is to get each of you to do what the Apostle Paul commanded us to do in 2 Corinthians 13.5. In 2 Corinthians 13.5, it says this, Examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith. Test yourself. Or do you not realize this about yourself, that Jesus Christ is in you, unless indeed you fail to meet the test? Well, how about what, what Peter said? Let's go from one apostle to the other. Let's go to 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 10. It says this, Therefore, brothers, be all the more diligent to confirm your calling and election. Diligent to confirm your calling and election. For if you practice these qualities, you will never fail. You'll never fall. So the question is, hey, Chris, why, why this particular message today, the week after Easter? The answer is, I don't want anyone here to go through life being deceived about your salvation and you end up outside the kingdom. I want you to be sure that you are saved by the grace of God. Also, this is the time to start to push for the elite servants of Christ as a group. The time is upon us. I'm just going to lay it out here for you. I moved to Kansas for one reason, and that is to become an elite servant of Christ. And I don't think I'm there. But I came here hoping to find a group of people that wanted to go there with me. And what I found was there's a, there's a, there's a good group of you. And I call you covenant partners. And when we are covenant partners, the comfort of the world and the, and the tears uh, that are around us, not in the USSA. And yes, I put two S's for a reason. Not that, but the visible church. And inside that visible church is Lifehouse Church. And we have covenant partners, and we're going to push to be elite servants of Christ. Not all of you are going to come with me, but those of you who want to, it's going to be quite the ride. That's more next week. But the journey starts today. Are you wheat or are you tares? The truth of the matter is that people often think they are wheat when they are, in fact, tares. I want to share three brief thoughts with you that wheats and tares have in common, but also which points out which makes them different. So examine ourselves today. So as I share this message, I beg you, don't tune me out. Let the Lord speak to your heart today. If you're saved, this message will actually strengthen you. And if you're a tare, this is your opportunity to actually become wheat. Pretty simple. Point number one. It's in verses 24 through 25. Both 
were planted together. Both the wheat and the tares shared common experiences of having been planted. The difference is in the experiences revealed in two very important ways. A, the character of the seed, and B, the character of the sower. Let's start with the character of the seed. Obviously, the wheat seed produced wheat, while the tare seed produced tares. On a spiritual level, the seed is that thing that we have placed our faith in. For the genuine believer, the seed is the actual gospel of grace. The truly born-again person trusts in Jesus Christ alone, not Jesus plus plus, Jesus alone for their salvation. Tares, on the other hand, they might be trusting a number of emotional, spiritual, or physical experiences for their salvation. It all comes down to where you place your faith. What are you trusting in for your salvation? What we need to understand is that salvation comes only to a heart, listen now, it comes only to a heart that has been convicted of sin and after genuine repentance has taken place. That's what the Bible says. That's what the Spirit confirms. That's the dealio, peeps. It comes to a genuine repentance from a conviction of sin. And repentance isn't just saying, Lord, I'm sorry, forgive my sins. Da, 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 da. No, repentance is turning from your sin. That doesn't mean you don't stumble. That doesn't mean you don't have weaknesses that you've got to grow in spirit and truth. You're not, you're not perfect once you're saved. But you trust in Jesus alone. John 6.44 tells us it's impossible to be saved until a sinner has been drawn by God. The question that we must answer today is, where is your faith? On what do you base your hope of eternal life? It must be the gospel. That is the death and resurrection of Christ, atoning work on Calvary, or your faith is in vain. And some people, I've heard them say, oh, yeah, yeah, Calvary, the resurrection, yeah, yeah. But make sure your faith is in the right one. The character of the sower. The good seed was sowed by the owner of the field. The tares were sown by the enemy. Why did the enemy do this? Obviously, it was an effort to ruin the crop, and ultimately, it was attack on the farmer. I keep telling you guys, I've been saying this since I got here. Once we start moving towards that elite level of covenant partnership serving Jesus Christ, the enemy's going to come. He's going to show up. He's already shown up. Satan is in the business of sowing, sowing tares among the Lord's wheat. That's what he does. Why? Well, he knows that if he can place enough artificial among the genuine, then he can devastate the entire crop. Satan is in the business of undoing all that the Lord is doing. He can fill the church with lost church members, then he can fill hell with a multitude of deceived people. That's the game that he's trying to play against us genuinely grace-filled, repentant believers who are born again trying to serve Jesus in love and truth. Did you hear me? If he can fill the church with lost church members, then he has won and the church is in trouble. You can almost bank on this truth. Now keep in mind, I've only been a pastor for, with you guys for, for nine months. But for 20 years, I've been around churches. I've been a guest speaker in churches. I've mentored pastors. And, and a lot of times, I would be the one that they could come to outside of their church family and just unload with what's going on. So I've seen more than my fair share. You can almost always bank on this. 
When the church is in trouble, there's almost always a tear somewhere. There's almost a lost person involved. And if he can mix enough goats in with the sheep, then he can disrupt the harmony and the blessedness of any gathering of true believers. Whenever there is church trouble, you can bank on it. And what I'm trying to say today is that you do not need to base your hope of eternal life on some experience or another. You need to be sure beyond a shadow of a doubt that you have trusted Jesus and Him alone for your salvation. So point one is both were planted together. Point two is both progressed together. This is key. Verses 26 through the first part of verse 30. The wheat and the tares grow together. And as the wheat grew, so the tares grow alongside them. They did everything the wheat did, and they looked good doing it. I think it's pretty obvious that safe people grow in the Lord. I mean, that's pretty obvious. I mean, I'm so excited what Glenn's going to be bringing to between services starting May 2nd. And I love the fact that Glenn, when he was talking to me on the phone, he said, look, he said, I want people to actually have some skin in the game. $12 is not too much for a book, and I want them to do the homework because I know the benefits that it'll be for them. You get it? Saved people want to do that. They want to grow in the Lord. They stay in the Bible. They stay in prayer. They're going to grow, and they're going to prosper in the things of God. However, do you know that it is possible for lost members to grow in the things of the Lord also? Oh, yeah. Take the Bible, for instance. It's a spiritual book. That is, it takes the right kind of spirit to understand the depths and the truth of the Bible. In 1 Corinthians 2.14, it says, The natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him. But he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. So there are some things that the lost can't understand. That's what that's saying. There's some things that only the, the true wheat can understand. But that doesn't mean that the lost are completely on the outs. Okay? Imagine a lost person thinking they're saved. They sit under preaching where the truths of the Bible are explained and made clear. The lost person can certainly understand the Bible. They can memorize it. They can possess all the activities of a genuine believer. Tares in the church often sing in the choir. They, they serve in various places. They attend faithfully to this or that. Sometimes they even stand in the pulpit and preach the Word of God. I've seen many a tear share a message. And I don't call them tares when they're preaching, but the fruit of their life shows up. Some member of John Piper's staff just came out and said he's abandoning Christianity. He was a tear on the, on the staff of Desiring God all this time. See, if you're authentically saved by Jesus Christ, you can't go there, which means you never came forward in the first place. You get what I'm saying? See, in this story, there's all the appearance of wheat. Not only do the tares grow alongside the wheat, but they also look just like the wheat until they have matured completely. They are impossible to tell one from another. If you had wheat in one hand and tares in the other and held them both before their, your eyes, you would not be able to tell them apart in the early part of their growth. You can't. Which is why our master says, don't try to, you know, don't try to figure out who's wheat and tares. Let me do that. You just serve everybody as if they're wheat. Love God, love others, be the church. That's the way things are. 
We can't tell the difference between the genuine and the artificial. I mean, tares do, you know, talk right, act right. You know, they, they function. They give the appearance of being saved. But if you examine the real Christian and a tear together, you could not tell them apart. So the tares act like wheat when they look like wheat. But this is where the similarities end. The one thing a tear cannot produce is fruit. So it is with tares in the church. They give all the external appearances of being the real deal. They look right, they talk right, they walk right, but right down to it, there's no fruit in their life. And that's really what it is. If you go to Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 through 23, tares will lack the spiritual things of, of a genuine believer. They'll lack that fruit of the Spirit. And then, you know, you look at verses 19 through 21 right before that. Look it up later. Galatians chapter 5, 19 through 23. Listen, just being straight up, if you're a tear, you might give all the external appearances of being a Christian. But don't let what you look like and the things you do be the basis of your assurance. Don't let what you think you're doing matter at all. Be sure your faith is in Jesus Christ and in Him alone. See, now look at the farmer's response to the removal of his tares. He's allowing, he's allowing both of them to grow together because they're intertwined. You and I cannot really tell the difference between the genu genuine and the artificial. And I'm here to tell you, when you hear a message like this, that's the first thing you want to think of. I wonder if, if she's saved. Oh, my goodness. He looks like a tear. <laughs> he's got tear written all over him. No, don't do that. Everybody is wheat. Love God, love others, be the church. You follow? See, it's not our job. Judging between the real and false is God's job, and it must remain that way. But when somebody shows up in a total non-Christian behavior after being a Christian for a while, you got to just give them over to God and hope that they're wheat just making a bad decision. Or they might be tares. You know, there's some of you, if you ever left this church, it would break my heart. But I won't come after you. We're already here. We're already putting forth the covenant partnerships. We're already talking about what we're going to be doing over the next three or four months here. Uh, we're going to be pushing to be elite servants of Christ. And I want you to join me. But if God wants you to move somewhere else, Bye. I won't keep score. I would rather have 20 covenant partners than 2,000 people with most of them being, being, being tares. That's just me. And the church board's looking at the budget going, Pastor, I wish you wouldn't say that. <laughs> See, when you guys called me to be your pastor and you said, here's how we're going to do it. We're going to have this be the church board and this be you. I'm like, I'm in. I don't have to worry about that stuff. My job is to make sure we have fruit in the wheat growing, bending, bowing towards the earth. That's what we do. 1 Samuel 16, 7 says this, But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not look on his appearance or on the height of his stature, because I have rejected him. For the Lord sees not as man sees. Man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. Again, let me caution you against playing the Holy Spirit in the lives of those around you. 
You do not know who is saved or who is lost. You might even be fooled about yourself. Point number three. It's the last half of, of verse 30 is where this point comes from, and that is both were processed together. Eventually the day of harvest arrives. The reapers sent into the field to gather the tares first, then the wheat. How could they tell the difference now? It is easy at this stage because the wheat matures. The head becomes filled with kernels, and the weight of the kernels causes the stalk of the wheat plant to bend towards the ground. The seeds in the head of the uh, tear, they're light. It allows the tear to stand tall. The picture here is pretty clear. A genuine believer grows in the Lord and tends to become more humble in the presence of God. The tear, on the other hand, will stand in his pride, clinging tightly to false beliefs and foolishness. When the harvest time came, they were both gathered, but they had different ends. A lot of times when you see the judgment in the Bible, like in Matthew 7, 21, 22, he's not talking about the world. He's talking about the church. It's not in my notes, but Matthew 7, 21, 22, on that day, people are like, Lord, Lord, didn't we do all this stuff? And Jesus says, step off. I don't know who you are. It's a tear. See, the tares were burned and the wheat was barned. These plants were bound together, the tares were, and they were used for kindling. They were nothing but useful for, for just being dried out and burned. Now, if the tares are accidentally eaten, they can cause nausea and dizziness. What, what an example. The wheat is barned. The wheat is gathered and taken into the barn where it would be processed for human consumption, sold for a profit for the farmer. He kept the wheat, but he had no use for the tares. The implications here are very clear. When this life has run its course, there are only two possible destinations for the human soul. Everyone who lives and dies as a tare will find themselves cast out of the kingdom of God to be eternally separated from the presence of God. 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verses 8 and 9, and Psalms 9, 17, if you're taking notes. The genuine believer, on the other hand, can look forward to being gathered into the presence of the Lord in his heaven forever, John 14, 1 through 3. The question is, what's it going to be for you? Now, there are times in a worship service where I have told you before, and I will tell you again, it's time to be selfish. All right? There's nobody in this room that even comes close to being as important to me as my wife Emily. But right now, I don't even, she's got to deal with herself. Her salvation affects me none. It's about, am I saved? Am I part of the wheat? Or am I deceiving myself that I'm a tear? The Bible says daily in keeping with repentance. Did you say daily? Daily in keeping with repentance. That doesn't mean that you've fallen out of the will of God, but you're close to Him every day. You, you, you grow in Him. You're as, if you're saved, you're as close to Him as you're ever going to be. And that's where you want your world to be. Examine yourself carefully. Don't allow yourself to be deceived out of the kingdom of God. So let me bring it home with three different points here. I want to close with a caution, kind of a warning, but I, I want to ask you a question. How are tares made and where do they come from? How do they get into the church? 
And why would they even want to be here? Well, it's the work of Satan. But there are some things that you need to be aware of as you walk through this life. And now some of this may shock you a little. It's not meant to. I'm just attempting to be a good pastor and warn you correctly. Follow? Because there's a group of us that are going to go towards this elite status. And what I've got to figure out is over four or five weeks and a month of preaching, I want to bring a couple messages that are for the elite. And I hope that some of you will come along with it, but there's sometimes we've got to get back, we've got to preach the basics because Lifehouse is here for anybody that wants to come. And we've got to have that balance. But I am talking to the wheat now, and I want you to understand this so that you can then share the love and truth of Jesus Christ. These are just fair warnings. Beware of good works, beware of good beliefs, and beware of good feelings. Let's start with good works. It's easy to substitute good works for salvation. Often the tares are not the worst ones we can think of. Many times the tares are the best. They are busy and active in the church, and they're lost nonetheless. Why? Because they're putting part of their salvation in their effort. Oh, I got to get down to the church and serve. I got to be the, the Christian in my office. I got to be the one that's got to do this, feed this person, give that, because that's where my salvation is tied. And Jesus says, no. Once you come to Jesus, and this is going to sound weird, but listen to me. Once you come to Jesus, you don't have to do anything for anyone ever. What happens is when you authentically come to Jesus, he puts this stuff in your heart, right in your soul, where you can't help but want to love people. And the charity comes not out of doing good works, but out of good old-fashioned gratitude for the amazing amount of sin that you've been redeemed from. And now you're saved. And so you do stuff out of good old-fashioned gratitude, not out of guilt, not out of trying to add things up. Beware of good beliefs. There's a real danger in coming to a church like this one, just straight up with you. The danger is that I'm going to tell you the truth, and so are our elders, and so are our covenant partners. We're going to lay it out there for you. And it's easy to learn doctrines. It's easy to learn the right things, but never believing in the right person. Don't let that be you. Don't get caught up in beliefs and then miss out on the person that we're all talking about. You don't believe me? Name me a verse that the devil doesn't believe. James 2.19. He believes it all. He even trembles at it, but he's never going to be saved. So what makes the difference in your life is when you bow before the Lord in repentance of your sins and receive the atoning death of Jesus as your only hope for salvation. You can believe in the blood, the resurrection, the virgin birth, and every other fundamental doctrine and still be lost. Nothing can help you. Not even all of the scriptures, not even becoming a Bible idiot yourself. It cannot help you until you come to Jesus as a lost sinner and repent of your sins. Which is why authentic Christianity doesn't care what you are, who you are, where you've been, or what you've done. You come to Jesus, you're in the family. You don't dress like me, doesn't matter, you're in the family. You don't have the the, the, the right look of a Christian, doesn't matter, you're in the family. If you've never been brought under the Holy Ghost conviction, 
and authentically repented of your sins, you might be a tear. Lastly, beware of good feelings. It's easy to get the emotion and cry a little and even tell about the time you were afraid and, and the Holy Spirit's given me this emotion right now, just sharing this with you. And maybe you were afraid one time and you made a deal with God or when you had some experience or another and you point back to that, you just need to know that those emotional feelings cannot save your soul. They can't get it done. I feel the Spirit and I feel the presence of the Lord Jesus because of my salvation and being born again, not as an addition to it. You need to know that those emotional feelings can't save your, your soul. I, I like the good vibes. I like the Spirit talking to me. And, and, but that doesn't place me in the kingdom. Only Jesus Christ and His atoning work at Calvary and at the resurrection can place us in Christ. I'm saved whether I feel like it or not, because I'm trusting Jesus Christ for my salvation. And the Holy Spirit speaks a truth to me that I cannot deny. I can't deny it. So when I see what's going on in America today, it breaks my heart on one hand, and on the other hand, I realize that that cannot be where I put my trust. I cannot put my trust in all of these things out here. It has to be only in Jesus Christ and Him alone. And then the Bible comes alive. And then out of good old-fashioned gratitude, I want to serve. And out of good old-fashioned uh, love and harmony with the Spirit, I want to see other people saved. And then I can't stop talking about this guy, Jesus Christ, who 2,000 years ago lived the perfect life, died the sacrificial death, had victory over death, hell, and the grave, and has given it to me free forever with me doing nothing and being completely unworthy about being anything. What about you? Where are you at today? If you're genuinely saved and trying to serve the Lord, Satan will come to you and try to knock on your door. And Jesus Christ will hold you in his grip. Again, his mercies are renewed each morning, says the scriptures. But if God is speaking to your heart today, if the Holy Spirit is knocking on your door and saying, you know what? This has all been a game. And today's the day. You need to come forward after the service and give your heart to Jesus. That's what you need to do. That's what I'd hope you'd do. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord Jesus, Holy Spirit, Creator, King, and Counselor, we love you so much. We just praise your name. And Lord, I, I just ask that you would speak to the hearts of those who are here today, that they would, they would see your glory, and that, the, that, that the, the saved would be strengthened in their salvation. They would see that the time is short. And that we want to go to this elite status. We want more fruit to grow than what any stock should have. And we want to be wheat that is just bound for your kingdom. And Lord, there's, there's tares here that could easily become wheat and start to grow if they would just give themselves to you. Recognize their sin. Come to the cross and accept your forgiveness and become authentically born again. Thank you for Lifehouse Church.
Thank you for the leadership of this church. And I just ask a special blessing on every single person hearing this message, whether it's live, on YouTube, on the podcast, wherever, that they would take a minute and just spend some time with you today. Speak to their hearts, Lord. We just love you, and we thank you, and we praise you. In Jesus' precious name we pray, amen. Thanks for tuning in to our Sunday message. To donate, request prayer, or to contact Pastor Chris, you can write to Lifehouse Church at P.O. Box 661, Abilene, Kansas, 67410, or go online at lifehouse-church.com. On behalf of the entire congregation, thanks again for your support.